Excuse me, comrade, is this the line for lunch? Line? Lines are not for people. They are for cattle. Only a braying sheep would wait in line for this food. Okay, but just to circle back, this is the line, yes? Yes, if you wish to be served rotten food by your overlords, then please stand in line, you pathetic individual. Meanwhile, I shall be fomenting plans to unite in brotherhood and overthrow our leaders. Okay, so if you are not in line, could you please just step aside? I'm not getting out of line. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, its reputation is good, isn't it, Steve? Uh, I think you could say that, yes. Yes, quite good, quite good. And influential. And and kind of like a milestone in the history of cinema. And propaganda. And propaganda. Big time. Big time propaganda time. For Russia. For Marvel Russia. That's right, Russia. guys. We made you guys watch a silent Russian film. <laughs> Take that. But it was free on YouTube, so what yeah. do you want? You know, you didn't have to rent it from nobody. No. You didn't have to go to your Netflix no. and hand over your capitalist dollars so that you could watch this movie, right? That's right, all you commies. You could watch it for free. That's right. Watch your commie movies. Enjoy your free commie movies. Art should be free for the people. Yeah. Wait, I think we're at loggerheads here. Commies. Huh? What? I, I'm, I'm, okay, so I'm doing the pro-communist. Yes. And you're doing the anti-communist. Sure. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. You, okay, you haven't really hit it hard enough. Oh. You need to throw in more right-wing Trumpisms, you know, some of those catchphrases, because oh. they're like real anti-communists. Okay. Right? Okay. 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 All right. Okay, great. What's next? Feeding poor people? <laughs> yeah, commies. Watch your free movies and feed your poor people. Hey, Steve. Hey, Steve. Yeah, Jason. Do you have any trivia for the battleship? Oh, we didn't even say the name of it, did we? <laughs> it's the battleship Potemkin. It's battleship Potemkin. You've probably heard it referenced, but maybe you've never seen it before. So hopefully you guys watched it. If you didn't, that's okay, because we're going to recap the whole plot. Yeah, we are. All five It's going to be another short show, guys. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> oh, yes. Steve, do you have any trivia for Battleship Potemkin? I do have trivia for Battleship Potemkin. Good. Yeah. You work You you work for the group. <laughs> it's. I, I live to serve the state. Thank you, comrade brother. Now, please... Share with us what you have learned. Okay, so here's the thing, right? As you mentioned, and as some people may already know, this is a work of Soviet propaganda. Um, in fact, the the director, Sergei Eisenstein, conceived it as a, a work of propaganda. And uh, mm -hmm. because of that, because it is, and it, because it, it was made in the 20s, and then of course after world after World War II. There was this little thing that happened in the world outside of the Soviet sphere called the Red Scare, where everybody was kind of paranoid about the whole communist thing. We got our ball shrank up into our bo collective bodies because we were scared of communism. Yeah, so this movie was banned in a lot of places. Um, yep. It was banned in France and the United Kingdom 
for 30 years. In fact, it was actually, it, it wasn't, the ban was not lifted until Stalin died. I'm not mm -hmm. sure. I guess they were just, they, I don't know why they were nervous <laughs> about Stalin. Like we, He might show up at their house. We can't let people see this while Stalin's alive. Um, <laughs> but once Stalin died, they unbanned it. And also there was a special version made that was released uh, in Germany that uh, was edited. It was the pooping one, right? <laughs> that, was, that was edited so that uh, it, it had less obvious uh, revolutionary themes. Oh, it's not the pooping. Um, what's the pooping? <clears throat> There's just a lot of pooping in oh, it. Oh, I didn't see that version. I am so sorry, Germany. No, I am so sorry. I know we have German listeners. Because they Please like that kind me. of thing over in Germany. Yes, it's the pooping. I like this movie much better than there's lots of pooping in it. Scheiße. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh. Can we watch it five more times? Oh, we love it. <laughs> we love to watch it's great when the defecate on themselves. <laughs> it's so great when the child stroller around oh. goes down the stairs. I love to see And the there's just poop <laughs> flying everywhere. <laughs> I love to see the bullets fly. When the old lady gets the poop in the face. face, I didn't like it when they when they changed it to blood. No. Boring. <laughs> <laughs> Pedestrian. I can walk down the street and see an old lady with blood in her face any day of the week, yeah, but of no. Course, it is Germany. So skittish about the pooping. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Germany. Germany is a wonderful country. It is now. <laughs> Shut up! Stop it! Um, but anyway, no. So it was. It was anyway, it, yes, it was. It was banned for many years, and it was released in Germany in an, an altered version. And actually, that that wound up being kind of a good thing in the long run because uh, one of the great restorations of the movie in more recent years was was conducted uh, in Germany because mm -hmm. they they restored it for for German audiences. They restored it to its original version because all that the Germans had ever seen was the the altered version. So and 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 now everybody benefits from that. Because because there's this beautifully restored version of the movie um, that yeah. was produced in Germany. So, you know, in this particular case, banning a movie turned out to be a good thing. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean we should do it, but no. it's just a happy, it's a happy accident, you know? Happy um, accidents, thanks to banning. Thanks, banning people. Thanks, censorship. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so in... <laughs> And in 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 some um, in some prints of the film, can we start that campaign? Thanks censorship. The, the thanks censorship campaign. Censorship gets such a bum rap, and I'm tired of it. What about the good things? You know, I couldn't go on the internet without seeing opinions that I didn't like. <laughs> you know, thanks censorship. <laughs> let's face it, you weren't going to read those books anyway. My grandson learned about the homosexuality. Now he can't go on the internet with, uh, without, you know, he's not going to see that there and no, no. pick up different ideas about where to stick his little dingle dongle. Of course not. You just can't put it anywhere. God said to put it right here. There's only one special Can you place. pan down? I'm pointing to my, you know, yeah. my lady area. <laughs> Your celestial orifice. My cursed incision <laughs> because of what Eve did. The place where God touched me with a golden axe. <laughs> Good God! <sighs> Keep going. More trivia. Anyway, Let's go. Get away so, from this topic. <laughs> so there's... 
there are some prints of the movie that feature there's a there's a flag we see a, a shot of a flag a couple of times and it's a flag flying atop the mast of of the battleship and uh it's a white flag but in some prints of the film the flag has been colored red and that was the director they hand colored it yeah, yeah that was the director's original intention it would be a, the, the red flag of revolution um but because it was made in 1925, when there there were actually color, there 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 were there was color film back then, um, but it was you know an incredibly expensive process, and most movies yeah were they just, kept it from the plebes, only the rich got <laughs> exactly. it exactly when they were making their snuff films yeah they're yeah. right Rockefeller they're, I know about you they're full color snuff films in the twenties I know what your kinks are Henry J Kaiser. <laughs> But so for the uh, for the premiere of the movie, the flag was actually hand tinted red by the director himself. Oh, that's so, great! Yeah. Um, also, this movie, as we mentioned before, this it has a good reputation. In fact, it is uh, over the years has been a very popular pick for greatest film ever made. I don't know if I agree. With I don't that. know if I agree with that either. But I'm just saying, like the the consensus for many decades has been that it is at least one of the greatest films ever made, if not the greatest. And it, w- I would say it is great in many aspects. Yeah. And it was the favorite film of Charlie Chaplin. Who cares? And of Billy Wilder. You know how many color snuff films Chaplin had? I know about you, Chaplin. He's been in a few, probably. That's he what was into crush his- porn. You know what that is? Yeah. Is when you pay a woman to step on little animals. Oh, you know, I mean, he made so many great films. Can't we just give this one to him? Fuck him. Fuck Chaplin. Fuck rich people. <laughs> you've really, you've really internalized <laughs> the message of this movie, haven't you? <laughs> I did, brother. <laughs> and it was also one of the favorites of Orson Welles. Yes. So, um, and finally, so uh, you know, the movie is it's a propaganda piece, and uh, because of that, it's. Um, its content is very simplified and stylized. Uh, sure. But even though that is the case, most of the major events in the film did more or less take place in history because this movie is... There it, was some fudging of stuff. Yeah, this, there was, the movie is based on an actual historical event, on an, an actual sailor's revolt that took place. The on, Odessa on, steps happened at night. Yeah, well, well how I'm, are they I'm, shoot I'm, I'm, I'm getting to that. Um, the, uh, I'm taking your shit. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh, it must be shared equally amongst the workers, and I'm the only other worker i love this i love this um the odessa step sequence which is the most celebrated segment of the film and most stolen and and the most imitated um right brian de palma yes oh absolutely you know the untouchables borrows somewhat from this sequence this story about gangs in the 1930s really needs really needs a lift from the battleship of tinkin (laughs) Oh, boy, these steps are tall. <laughs> I walked up and down those stairs. I've been to Chicago. Yeah, Chicago. I actually, in, I actually intentionally sought it out when I got to when I got to the, the train station. Well, I mean, it's such an iconic location. Sure. Um, but yeah, so as you mentioned, the Odessa steps, the the the, the Odessa steps uh, massacre that we see in the movie, it did not happen exactly the way that it is shown in the movie. Um, there were incidents. In Odessa during this time, where protesters were were shot by the police or by the military, um, in fact, it's estimated that as many as several hundred people may have been killed. Um, mm-hmm. But there was no single event that happened like is portrayed in in the film. 
Um, in fact, the most significant actual historical inspiration for the Odessa Steps sequence may have been what was called the Bloody Sunday Massacre. Uh, which happened in 1905, uh, five months before the Potemkin mutiny. And it, and it didn't take place in Odessa. It took place in St. Petersburg, where people had shown up to protest the czar. Um, but it was the, a similar situation where a, there was a large crowd of protesters and the military just shot the unarmed protesters yeah. um, and, and ended up killing thousands of people. Like it was a horrible, horrible yeah. massacre. And it, was the, uh, and it was the catalyst that really kicked the revolution of 1905 into high gear and that was what uh-huh. what the battleship potemkin takes place in the that midst was, of by the way that that whole incident in saint saint petersburg is my favorite scene in anastasia yes yes and uh and it was all oops i'm sorry they painted the czar as being wonderful i, <laughs> I forget <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> and it was also a major, uh, it was a major motivation for the revolution of 1917, which was the one that actually uh-huh. took for a while. Um, right. So. Uh, Meanwhile, the czar was too busy being masturbated by a crazy person. <laughs> the poor czar. Um, and oh, and one, one last thing about the Odessa step sequence. Not, not only is it not based specifically on any particular incident in history, um, uh-huh. it wasn't even in the original script. Uh, Eisenstein came up with it during production, oh, and wow. it it wound up being the most famous portion of the movie. So that that's that's that, I love I think the that's, traveling shots down the stairs. I still don't know how they did it. No, they're all oh, some of the shots are phenomenal. Um, but yeah, that's all the trivia I have. Okay, yay! Now it's time for who made it. Yay. This is gonna be short. <laughs> <laughs> Bunch of Russians. I don't know. It was directed by a respected comrade brother, Sergei Einstein. Eisenstein. <laughs> I didn't look up what else he's done, but he did a great job on this movie. Good for you. Written by uh, Nina Agonova. Nina Agazonova. And Sergei Einstein. Um, intertitles, uncredited. Uh, Nikolai Asayer, Asayev. And Sergei Tritaki. And George Bleoch. I'm so sorry, any surviving relatives of these people. <laughs> I love that you call them comrades and brothers, and then you're like, Sergei Gaki Moki That's what I'm going to I'm going to write a comedy sketch about the beginnings of the. Uh, of, of the. Uh, communist rule in russia and it's going to be stalin who is great at speeches but terrible at names <laughs> i would like to thank following brothers sargi try to dingle let's just say sergey okay hey good for you man starring everybody starring a whole lot of people who weren't professional actors he, he, he picked them for their look, yeah. not if they could act. Including some people that had actually been present at the, the actual events. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, Alexander Antonov, Vladimir Barksy, and Grigory Alexandrov. Yay, I'm doing it. Yay. Also, Edward Tisi. Tisi. T-I-S-S-E. You guys figure it out. Cinematography by Vladimir Popov. Finally, one I can read. Edited by Sergei Einstein. And Eisenstein is actually... Yeah. It's Eisenstein. Uncredited for editing. Grigory Alexandrov. And 
music various because <laughs> okay it's a silent so movie it one it's a silent movie two the director intended for the music to be redone every 20 years and that kind of happened mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> Edmund Meisel did the original 1925 score. Nikolai Kryokov did the 1950 score. Chris Jarre did the 1985 score. Eric Allman did the 1986 soundtrack. Neil Tennant and Chris Lowe did the 2005 score. Michael Nyman did the 2011 score. And Edison and Edison Studio did the 2017 score. Next, you know, next year I'm sure we'll get three more scores for this same fucking movie that's almost a hundred years old. Yeah. I don't. I honestly, because there's so many different versions, I'm not even sure which one I watched. I don't know which musical score it was. I will say I I watched a version on YouTube and then I also noticed that it had that it was on HBO Max and I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't watch the entire HBO Max version. I just sort of mm-hmm. went through it a little bit just to see if it was the same thing or not and I will say I did notice that the HBO Max and the YouTube version I watched did have different soundtracks. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, production company Moss Film, distributed by Gosino. Goskino. That's that's what I meant to say. Sure. Release date December twenty first, nineteen twenty five. Running time seventy five minutes. Steve left out that this movie was being produced as a series of films to celebrate the twenty year anniversary of the beginnings of the revolution. Yes. In Russia. Yeah. And so they, I think they covered the Saint Petersburg max- massacre in a different film. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, and so this one was part of that. And that's why we know it's propaganda, because everyone said, make a propaganda film. And they're like, okie dokie, boss. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And also, uh, the same director, Eisenstein, one of his other works that he made, I think a few years after this, was a movie that I haven't actually seen, full disclosure, but mm-hmm. um, but it, it called uh, October, 10 Days That Shook the World, that mm-hmm. was about the 1917 revolution. Mm-hmm. So, right. yeah. Production costs, you make film now. <laughs> Box office is free to everyone in Russia. There's no information for that, guys. We're, this is communist Russia. They did not give a shit. They didn't release their <laughs> box office numbers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, Steve, are you ready to march for your brothers and sisters who have slaved under turmoil, under tyrants? Into the world of the battleship Potemkin? Da. No, you're supposed to be the anti-communist. Oh, no. <laughs> Why not, you son of a bitch? I'm not going in there. I'm not going to watch this commie bullshit. Oh, so you think the Saudis are better, That's is right. that right. I'm a royalist all the way. He's never done okay. anything bad to anybody. And Are, are you <laughs> familiar with how Rasputin died? <laughs> I, <laughs> it was a lot. Even for us, <laughs> Russians, it was a lot. <laughs> I think I heard something about that, yes. Okay, well, you keep talking the way you talk, American Joe. We're just going to... <laughs> American Joe! We're going <laughs> to watch this movie, okay? Okay, you just shut up and eat the popcorn and wear your blue jeans. Okay. You ready? Okay. Here we go. Steve? Yes. Please. Yes. Take it away. Oh, boy. Get ready for action. So the version I watched uh, before we got we get the the title the Battleship Potemkin and you know the credits and everything and then there's there's a little opening title crawl or not a crawl but like an opening title card that basically talks about how um, 
violence in the pursuit of revolution is like the most moral kind of violence or the most moral form of mm-hmm. war. Um, just to set us up. Did you get wait? Did you get the Tolstoy quote at the beginning it or was, the Lenin? No, it was quote a Tolstoy. Then you got the Lenin quote. There, yes, my, my, Tolstoy, my, yeah, mine, yeah, mine was opened with a Lenin quote. There's also a version that has a Trotsky quote. Oh, it was Trotsky. Yeah, not, not That's Tolstoy, it. Not Trotsky, Tolstoy. Yeah. But yeah, my version had the Lenin quote. Because um, the Russians went, are we sold on the Trotsky quote? Well, actually, I think what happened was, um, you know, the movie, the movie was never, obviously the movie was never banned in the Soviet Union, but one of the changes no. made to it was it originally had a, a quote by Trotsky. And then when Trotsky, yes. when Trotsky fell out of favor with the regime, no one liked him anymore. <laughs> um, they took out the Trotsky quote and they replaced it with a Lenin quote. Surprised they didn't replace it with a Stalin quote. I know. Quote. Oh, because Stal- it was too day. blue. Stalin's was too blue. It was, just... <laughs> it was a lot of fucks. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, and then we go, the, the movie is divided into five acts or five seg- segments, and we get title cards di- giving us the title of each section. And uh-huh. section one is titled, oh, this is nice, Men and Maggots. Yep. Cool. Then we meet a couple of sailors. I'm, I did not commit their names to memory. And nor even if I did have them written down here, I was not going to struggle through saying them through this entire review. Yeah, there are a couple guys. One of them is I think it's pronounced Vakulinchuk or Vakulinchuk, but he's sort of like the main sure. guy who is who becomes like the leader of the revolt. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Don't get attached. No, and no, and they're complaining on deck about what about the fact that they don't have no good food to eat. That's right. They have. Then we cut they're down, being served yeah. rotten meat. Then we cut uh, cut down to the bunkhouse where everyone's sleeping, mm-hmm. and one of the guys is one of the guys gets his feelings hurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the younger guy. Yeah, because there's an officer. Just to sort of establish that the officers are are dicks. Uh, the officer yeah. is like is like walking through the sleeping sailors, and he kind of shoves the one of the sailors out of the way, and the sailor gets really upset and starts it to cry. Turns over and cry, yeah. yeah. And we're like, "Ooh, that's bad." But then another sailor gets up, who looks a lot like Stalin, with no <laughs> shirt on, and he starts quoting, "You know, hey, we need to rise up. This is bad. Yeah. Join, join together, brothers." Screw and this. everyone's like, "That sounds like a great idea. We like that." Right? Yeah, absolutely. That. That morning, they bring they get a shipment of their food, and their food consists of five bones and nine thousand maggots. Yeah, it don't look too good. It was not fit for dogs to eat, is what they said. Yep. We get lots of close-ups of the meat, and it's covered with maggots. But then the the ship surgeon comes down, and he's a tiny little grody little dude. <laughs> Yeah. With this huge mustache. And he takes a look at it and he goes, This is fine. You can wash off these maggots in the brine. Yeah, just and eat it. Like, it's good. It's good meat. Shut up. Eat your meat. Shut up. Yeah, shut up. Do what you're told. Just do it. And all the guys are like, No, we don't want to eat this rotten food, you s- stupid. And the officers give him a look, right? Yeah. And they don't immediately think, shit, we better fix this. We better fix this. <laughs> this is not good. And um, they just walk off. They give them a disgusted look, and the sailors are like, shit. So they, the cook makes borscht yes. out of the meat. And it gets all served up. Meanwhile, the sailors are all you know, working hard to 
keep the ship clean, right? There's a real pornographic shot of someone taking an oily plunger and sticking it into a cannon hole. Oh, yeah. That made me uncomfortable watching it, but okay. But they, they set everybody up. They put the the borscht out, and what happens? They don't want it. They don't eat it. They ain't eating that borscht. Yeah, they're getting canned food from the commissary. That's right. Or they're, they're bringing out, you know, their own food that they've squirreled away, and the officer goes down down into the to the canteen, and he looks around, and no one ate any of the borscht. And he's like, uh-huh, so they won't eat our borscht, eh? Borscht not good enough for you, huh? Oh, so he rats him out. You know, after looking around and seeing that no one's eating the borscht or anything like that, uh, and... The, we cut to the kitchen where guys are washing dishes and one guy gets upset at a dish because it says something and he smashes it. It says, give us this day our daily bread. And in he's Russian. Like, that's a joke. Yeah, fuck this. And he breaks it up. So is religion. Yeah, Crash. Yeah, yeah, religion is the opiate of the masses. I read that somewhere. <laughs> it's not the fact that we have some weird monk on board the ship that looks like he's from a Kurosawa yeah, film. what is with that guy? <laughs> He's a Russian Orthodox monk. Like this wraith just like lurking. He in literally the does of the look ship. like <laughs> he looks like the king from Ron. Yes, oh my god. He really does. Yes, he does. He does. He's so lost. Is... He's like in the wrong part of the world and everything. <laughs> How did I get here? <laughs> <laughs> but then we get part two. Yeah, drama at the. It's either called drama on deck or drama at the harbor. There's different translations. Or drama on the quarter. Drama. Deck. Yeah. Yeah. So the officers are like, Maha, everyone on deck. So you didn't want to eat your borscht, huh? And all the officers come out. And then the captain comes out and he's like, Okay, everybody that liked the borscht, please step forward. And like the officers step forward. Maybe one guy, one of the sailors steps forward. Yeah. And he's like, Thank you. Can everyone please thank the chef for the wonderful borscht he made out of the maggot meat? And I'm like, he has been crying all night that no one ate his cooking. And I think a fitting punishment for hurting the chef's feelings is that everyone that didn't eat the borscht, we're going to kill you now. Yeah, that seems fair. <laughs> this captain goes from zero to 60. He's like... You, you have to maintain okay, discipline. Yeah, and he's like, we're gonna, you're going you're gonna to hang from the, what is it, the quartermast, yeah. the mast. And everyone's like, oh, shit. And then he calls out the guard. And meanwhile, the sailors are like, this is he's serious? <laughs> this is this? a little, then, uh, yeah, we didn't expect this. <laughs> the guards come out and um, they have guns. Mm -hmm. And um, meanwhile, some of the sailors say, come on, we're going to run towards the, the cannons. But a small group of the guys get separated. Right. Right. And they're like, okay, put a tarpaulin over them. And they bring out a tarpaulin and they throw it over the guys. They don't explain why they were doing it. In real life, they did it because they didn't want to get blood on the deck. Right. Yeah, they, do, yeah, they don't explain it. The captain just says, throw, throw a canvas on them. And he's like, okay. Right. And uh, the guys line up. They put the tarpaulin over them. So they look like one big ghost with a lot of legs. <laughs> and, and some of the, you can tell, some of the guard aren't totally on board with this. And they get ready. 
There's one, geez, there's one officer who's literally twirling his mustache. Oh, yes. He's like super into this whole execution thing. He loves yeah, it. Yeah, get him. How, most of those guys are engineers, sir. How are we, if anything happens to the ship, what happened? What do we do then? And also, we have all these other guys by the cannon we still got to kill. <laughs> um, and I don't think there's enough room up on the mast to, to, to do that. We'll hang them in sir? shifts. Just use your head. <laughs> But we, what if we were called into battle? We don't have enough people. We'll get That's, more This is stupid. <laughs> this is Russia. Why can't we'll we never run out of people. Why can't we go into port and just get some decent food for the sandwich to eat? Fuck them. That's get why. Get their bellies. Oh, my God. You know what? We technically, we, we live in better conditions than, the, the, oh, just let me grab out of the hat. The British Navy in the 1700s, but they managed to maintain control and have good relations with their crew because they knew that they kept them drunk, got them booze, and and kept their bellies full, that they would do their jobs. We can't even do fucking that? My good man, these are Russians. You really expect us to get them drunk? (laughs) We just throw some poles over, catch some fish, we're we're in the ocean. Okay, I guess did, kill everybody's the plan. Did you not hear me when I said fuck him a moment ago? Fuck him. Me, this is when the monk shows yes. up. And all he has is a crucifix in his hand, and he's like, yes, kill him. Yeah. Kill him. I, resent, I represent religion. I'm bad. Here in godless communist Russia, <laughs> I'm crazy. I have, he's my favorite performance in this he's entire He's having movie. fun. He's having fun. He looks bad. Bat shit crazy. He's nothing but a big thing of hair with weird eyes sticking out of it, in a monk's robe and carrying a cross. And he's like, "They must learn." And they're getting ready to shoot him. Some of the guys under the tarpaulin are collapsing out of fear, right? Oh yeah. And then our main guy, Valen, Valen, Vakalinchuk, Day Master. Yeah. What's his name? Va- it's I don't, I'm not sure the pronunciation. I think it's Vakalinchuk. Mm-hmm. He. It says, boys, don't do it. What are you doing? Who are you shooting? Yeah. What are you honestly? What are you bro, doing, bro? Come on. There's cool and there's not cool. Yeah. Which do you think this is? Come on, bro. I'll give you a hint. Not cool. <laughs> and the guards go, huh? And they stop. And the captain gets really pissed off about that. He's like, tries to grab the guns away from him because he's gonna shoot him himself. And then, oh boy, oh boy, it's time. To kill all the officers. Oh, right? yeah. Let's mutiny this baby. And that's exactly what they yep. do. And they chase guys all over the place. And they throw that little rat ship surgeon overboard and a whole bunch of other people overboard so they can die and drown. Yeah, fuck them. Because at this point, you pretty much hate them. Yeah. You hate They're, bad. The officers. They're bad people. They do bad things. And in some ways, the battleship Potemkin in this sequence is kind of a metaphor for what happened during the revolution. Oh, sure, absolutely. Starving starving people, you know, just all they really want is decent food to continue, you know, to do their jobs, and the officers not giving a shit. An entirely different class of people who did not give a shit. They fully expected, you know, their lower class citizens to continue to service them no matter how they treated them. Works out great, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, they don't... Works out great. <laughs> Ask Louis the Sixteenth how oh, well that boy, works Louis. out. Oh boy, Louis! How you doing these days, buddy? Oh, well, I'm sorry, you can't talk. Oh, sorry, oh, sorry. <laughs> and so we get a bunch, and then Valen and Pan- Pangal. Oh well, first the of all, guy. the monk. The monk gets pushed down some stairs, and he pretends to be dead. 
Because he's a rat shit yeah, bastard. Yeah, he's a coward. And a coward. Um, and they chase all of all of the officers down, and then one of the officers has a rifle, and he's like, I'm going to kill the guy who instigated this whole thing, right? Yeah. And he... Valen is he's trying to get away and he's kind of on a yard arm hanging over the water and the officer shoots him in the back of the head I think so yeah yeah <laughs> but he's not dead no he just kind of hangs there for does, a while yeah but he does fall down in a, in an impossibly artistic shot of him hanging off of one of the one of the I can't even remember what they are one of the hoists mm-hmm. yeah like dangling over the water and other guys dive off the ship because they know he's going into the water to save him, and they drag him on board. But he is D-E-A-E-D. He sure is. And so they jump onto one of the torpedo boats, and they go to... Odessa. Yeah, and they have his body on the wrapped in the flag Yeah. on top of the boat when they bring it yeah. in. Yeah, and right? then we go into part three. And then we you know, first we get the beautiful shot of his body just lying there, and what is what does the sign on his body say? Um, killed for rotten meat or something like that. Yeah. No, killed for a spoonful of killed for a spoonful of borscht. That's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's this great shot of looking down the body to the port of Odessa with the ships out there. Um, yes, even the golden hour does work for cinematographers in black and white. Oh, for sure. (laughs) This movie fucking proves it. For sure. Mm-hmm. And then we go to part yes. three. A dead man calls for justice, or an appeal from the dead. Yes, it's, it's like a, it's like a Rocky Bullwinkle cartoon. <laughs> In this episode, an appeal for justice, or a dead man says something. <laughs> so we're in Odessa, yeah, and we get a lot of shots of the port. Oh yes. Like the B unit director, he said, "Just shoot whatever you want to <laughs> just shoot." Just go he's nuts, like, boys. boss. Yeah, and he's just shooting everything. But what's happening in the port? Uh, the people are. What's happening in Odessa? Well, there, there is a there is a workers' strike in Odessa. There's like a, mm-hmm. a workers' revolt happening as the ship comes in. How fortuitous, right? Um, and so, <laughs> and so the, the the people find out what has happened on the ship, and they immediately come in a big crowd to to view the body yeah. of the dead. Uh, They're forming a line. Yeah. Oh, yeah. To, yeah. To see him, and that—that's not good. No, that's Is no, it? that's not that's not going to calm things down really at all. They have that amazing shot of all the people lined up on the key, where it just stretches out to the horizon, oh, yeah. and that's not like a that's not a, like a special effect or no fucking CGI. No, that's that a was. bunch of people really. All there. people will participate in movie. <laughs> now you are extra. <laughs> you, all of you, this whole town, you are all extras now. But I need to make food for my shut children. Up. You, you shut up. Fuck you. Get in line. But I'm all the way in the back. No one can see me. Shut up. But okay, you, comrade, brother, you take her. Have discussion. Goodbye. I hope you have different mommy for your children. <laughs> Don't worry, state will provide. We do this for the people. New mommy. <laughs> um, and, you know, we see that for a lot. We see that it goes on for a little while. Yeah. I mean, it was a big shot, right? In fact, a lot of these Odessa scenes just have dozens and dozens and dozens of people. Oh, yeah. Right? And we see people speaking. We see people reading propaganda. Right, it's just basically you know, direct quote from my version. 
Revenge on the bloodthirsty vampires. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. That doesn't sound too supportive of the regime, nope. does it? Nope. This is getting people riled up. And, of course, whenever people get riled up, good things happen, right? Absolutely. Only good things, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, when they get riled up and they're saying things like death to the bloodthirsty vampires or, you know, down with the butchers, you know, that the, your government is secure, that things will be fine. It's all right? going to work out. The- Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to be fine. And we keep cutting to these close-ups of people just, they're done. Okay? They're done. They're, they're pretty much finished. And um, what ha- what's happening on the Potemkin? Uh, aren't people bringing them food? Yeah, people are bringing them food. Um, and then um, the skiffs come out, right? People get onto their little boats and they surround the they surround the Potemkin. Yes. Right, to help protect it. And more, even more people are like, that's awesome. And they're like, right? Everybody loves us. Nothing bad can possibly no, happen. No, everything's going to be fine from now on. That's right. So what do we cut to, Steve? Um, we cut to a bunch of people on the Odessa steps. And they're of different classes. Poor people. Yes. There's a rich lady with a parasol right next to a guy who has no legs. Yeah. And they're all, <coughs> you know, waving, I guess, at the Potemkin. Lots of shots. Well, of before wonderful we, people. Before we get to this part, because this is into the Odessa Steps part. Um, before mm-hmm. we get to that, but we skipped over one of my favorite parts in the whole movie, which is um, that when, when the crowd is gathered and everybody is like starting to shout their revolutionary slogans, and somebody says something like, you know, we should let nothing divide us. Like the people should be united. And then there's mm-hmm. a rich guy in the crowd who says, let's kill the Jews. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. I must have looked away from the screen. He says, let's kill the Jews. And everybody turns on him and kills him. <laughs> it's one of my favorite parts in the whole movie. I need to rewatch. I need to go find like, that. I must have looked like, away for that scene. Yeah. He's like the rich looking guy with like the, the vest oh, and that, like the, the pocket I saw the, watch. And I saw the start, says, but I was writing notes. I must have just written notes past yeah. it. Yeah. He says, kill the Jews, and a bunch of people surrounding him, like, turn on him. And there's a couple of reaction shots of people looking at him like, what'd you just say? And they and they, they set upon him and kill him. Yay! So, yay, it's happy. So everyone's waving until these dudes in white with guns show up. Bum, bum, bum. And that's never good. And we discover, we get to watch, not just a horrific act, but someone discovering, someone working through his theories of montage and film. Right. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, because he's covering... For, to understand this, in a lot of the earliest films, you would never break away to multiple characters in your story because they felt it was confusing. And there were other filmmakers who were like, no, it's not confusing as so long as it's done correctly. Right? Right. And this, in this instance, because he's been using montage all the way up to this point, um, he is clearly showing you can cut to different people in the same situation at different points in time and going through different things and still have it be a cohesive story so long as you connect them through the event, right? right. And that's what he's doing with this and also telling a horrific story about how these um, fucking jackbooted motherfuckers showed up and just started killing everybody. Just killed everybody. Old people, children. Yeah. <laughs> it did not Everybody. matter. We're following, we follow, there's these, 
This woman is leading her child down the steps, and he gets shot. Yep. And, and then uh, trampled by the then, crowd. And then trampled by the crowd. And shh, there's another woman who is surrounded by people, an older woman, who says that we can talk to them. Let's let's try to convince them to stop doing this, right? Meanwhile, the mother is carrying her child up the steps to these to the shooters. And what do they do, Steve? They shoot her. They shoot her. They shoot her right right mm-hmm. standing in front of them, yeah. And everyone freaks the fuck out and they continue down the steps just shooting people as they go. And um the old lady gets shot in the face. It's one of the more yep. famous scenes in the, in the movie is her with her glasses broken and blood pouring out yeah. of her face. Yeah. Um, and then we have the baby carriage. Yes. Which and, is the part that was most obviously referenced in The Untouchables. Mm-hmm, because it's, well, boy, oh boy, what a way to rack up tension, right? Oh my God, yes. The mother gets shot. Um, she falls over and the baby carriage starts going down the steps. So we're cutting to the baby carriage going down the steps. The lady gets shot in the face. Lots of people are, are being killed, and then it culminated. We never see the, the, the carriage tip over, but no. we're pretty much assured, okay, this is bad. Yeah. This is, this is, the baby is not going to survive. Meanwhile, on the Potemkin, they're like, maybe we should do something about, you know, everybody with the shooting. That would be good, yeah? So they do. They aim it at the Odessa Theater. Yeah. Because that's where a lot of the military, you know, the the people that are doing this. Oh, I forgot my favorite thing in this entire scene. Okay. So they cut to a, a shot at the foot of the steps where people are running down and more of these more of these uh um shooters are on horseback down at the bottom. It's it's a massacre and they just cut to one they cut to one card and it says one word, Cossacks. Cossacks. <laughs> yes, I remember. Yes. And I know I shouldn't laugh at that, but it was so perfect. It's this hor- horrific scene of these people murdering everybody, and they just put one word at the end of it. Cossacks. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So they prepare to shoot their guns at uh, the Odessa Theater. In real life, they missed. But in this one, it, it appears that they hit them. And there is another yeah. sequence in this that is just fantastic with the lion statues. Did you mm-hmm. notice it? I noticed uh, the lion statues, but I didn't like. I'm not sure. They're shown in. A, they're shown in a sequence. Lion asleep, lion awake, looking but still lying down, its eyes open in fear, and then lion standing up fully, still looking terrified. <laughs> <laughs> and it's cut one, two, three. The cheapest animation you could possibly have. I love it. I loved it. The um, lion's bad day. <laughs> a very bad day. So now everyone's talking that there's going to be, you know, there's going to be a landing, that troops are going to join them, and they have to decide what they're going to do, right? Yes. Because they're going to send in, you know, more ships to take them out, to take them down. And so that night, they're all worried. They know a squadron's coming. Um, they're not sure if the squadron's going to fire on them. You know, it's it's a bunch of dark scenes that seem to go on for fucking ever <laughs> just <laughs> just keeps going and going and going because there's not a whole lot of title cards in this in this movie no, not there's really. not a lot um and then finally they see oh no the ships are coming and they can see them off in the distance and they're like oh they're gonna shoot we better get ready to fight and everyone starts getting ready to fight and uh they head out right 
Yes. And then we keep cutting back to the ship. Are they going to do it? They cut to the ships that are coming. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> and they keep cutting back and forth and back and forth. And then what happens, Steve? Well, first, the uh, on the Potemkin, they raise their signal flags. Right. And, and, it, and it spells out the message, join us. Right. But, of course, they don't know if the other ships are going to do that or not. So, eventually, they, they, they keep racking up the tension, cutting back and forth between the sailors on the Potemkin and the guns on one of the ships. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Are they going to fire on us? Or, and then suddenly, the, we see the faces of the sailors on the Potemkin, and they, they go from terror to elation, and they cry out, brothers! Because mm-hmm. it turns out that the, the crews on the other ships have decided that they're not going to fire on the Potemkin. That's right. Everyone's cheering on deck. Everybody's cheering and waving, and they allow the Potemkin to pass through the squadron without Uh, firing a shot. Yep. A lot of them, then this happened. This happened. This happened in real life. When your military men just say, fuck it. (laughs) Yeah. We ain't shooting. You've done something wrong as a government, because that's basically what happened and then it's a happy ending as the ship runs over us yeah exactly that's the last shot the ship kind of <laughs> runs right into the camera and yeah the end brothers now go back to work <laughs> get back in factory <laughs> and remember everything is great here there is no better way to live anywhere in the rest of the world you are the luckiest people for what did you say Put Gulag, him, yeah, him, get him, wife too. That's good. Anyway, where was I? Everything is perfect, wonderful. Hooray for us. You're so lucky. No, I meant now. Uh, yes, hey, the Steve. Revolution. Hey, Steve. How do you feel about this super short movie? <laughs> I love a nice 75 minute movie, don't you? Mm-hmm. Um,. So, yeah, I mean, here's what I find really interesting about it, watching it. Because I'd seen it a couple times before, but it's been a long time since I watched the whole thing through from beginning to end. And, you know, obviously this was made as a, as a propaganda film. It was made to, uh, to celebrate and justify the ideals of the Russian Revolution. Sure. Um, but today, those themes, as prominent as they are in the film, I mean, they're mm-hmm. completely un- un- unmistakable. Uh, but they don't have quite the same power as they once did. Because not, it doesn't have a forceful punch. It is not no. like you expect a propaganda film to have a whole lot of rhetoric from the ruling party at that time, right? You know, right? But it didn't. It shied away from that. It's still there. It, I'm not saying oh, it's, it's absent. It's definitely there. But I mean, uh, but be, you know, the the revolution in Russia is over, and the the government that this film was produced to argue in favor of fell and you know in our lifetime it fell 30 years ago mm-hmm. um so that being the case i wonder how this movie plays to people today who are not movie nerds like us yeah because you know to me this movie is a landmark yep this movie is a milestone you know mm-hmm. it's it's one of a handful of films from the first half century or so of the medium that you can legitimately credit with moving it forward as an art form yeah and when you compare it to the milestones that preceded it, the leap forward is really extraordinary. I mean, if you, comp- you compare this movie 
purely on a technical and artistic basis mm-hmm. to Griffith's Birth of a Nation. Fuck that movie. Um, I know, fuck that movie. But as, as important as Birth of a Nation is in terms of the history of film, um, and as much of a leap forward as it is in terms of editing and cinematic storytelling, it looks like a cave painting next yes, to does. Battleship Potemkin. I mean, Battleship Potemkin makes Birth of a Nation look like Birth of a Nation makes a trip to the moon look. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's quaint, simplistic, primitive. Um, it's not really any of those things, but that's how it feels in comparison yeah. because Battleship Potemkin is so far ahead of it. And it was only made about 10 years later. Yep. So in within just 10 years, we go from Birth of a Nation to Battleship Potemkin, which feels visually almost like a modern film. Yep. I mean, it's... It's a silent movie, and that kind of gives it away as being from a particular <laughs> era. But visually, the way it's shot and cut, it feels like it could have been made today rather than 1925. Mm-hmm. The the editing is smooth and confident. We have those cuts to close-ups in the middle of the action to show us more clarity about what's being done. Yeah, um, We have great uses of symbolism. Uh, the doctor's glasses, for example, when they throw the doctor overboard, we oh, cut to a shot of his glasses yeah. dangling off through. Yeah. Um, it uses the way it uses cross cutting to build suspense, especially during the Odessa steps, and then yep. and, and and that final sequence with the squadron approaching, and you keep cutting back and forth between the sailors and the guns. I mean, it all still works today really well. Yeah, and um, you know, it feels again if you compare it to Birth of a Nation, which was sort of the previous major milestone, uh, the leap the leap forward is just extraordinary. Um, but that's me watching the movie as someone who is interested in film history and who has at least some general knowledge on the subject. Um, and I wonder how the movie would play to someone who doesn't know its place in history, who doesn't know how it compares to what came before and how it mm-hmm. moves everything forward. Because the characters are all pretty flat. Uh, yeah. the, the story is very simplistic. Mm-hmm. Um, once the primary action shifts from the ship to Odessa, the villains literally become faceless. I mean, the, the soldiers who massacre the people on the Odessa steps are only ever seen from behind or yeah. through close-ups on their guns. I mean, or you their mentioned, boots. Like, it, yeah, their boots, yeah. Um, at least on the on the Potemkin, as you mentioned, like the officers were almost like you know silent melodrama villains. Yeah, you know, like they were they, sni- they, they were all snidely whiplash. They were all it, mustachio twirling. Yeah very drawn very very broadly but at least mm-hmm. they had faces literally like you could identify them and and the you know the, the 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 soldiers that are shooting people down are are completely faceless and and obviously that was intentional and it makes it, it does make that odessa step sequence even scarier because i mean th- you know for people who have never seen that it, again it's it's startling how effective that is i mean mm-hmm. in, in, in not not just the technical side of it where you know he's cutting from shot to shot and you're seeing char- different characters reacting and things and you know but there are a couple of wide shots of just the crowd racing down the steps oh yeah away from the troops as they're advancing and shooting that are just terrifying Mm -hmm. i mean because it seems like you're watching a riot you're watching like a stampede of horrified people and they're running down these really long really steep steps and they're like going for it like they're running for their lives and and it's i mean it just works so incredibly well even no Uh, legs guy Oh, he's making a run for it, man. He is yeah. booking it. I mean, yeah, it's and uh, yeah, it's just on a purely visceral level. It's absolutely thrilling and 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 gut wrenching, and 
you know, so and I, I imagine a general audience could become involved in that and could become involved in the facing of the squadron at the end because uh -huh. the filmmaking does such a great job there of building tension in those sequences. Um, but overall, there's not really a lot of story to become involved with. No. And, you know, the, the closest thing to a lead character is Vakalinchuk, the leader of the, the revolt, who is killed about halfway through, um, less than halfway through, actually. And, uh, and, you know, before that, we really don't get enough of a sense of him as a character to feel what the others feel when they're mourning him uh -huh. um you know yes he leads his fellow sailors in a revolt against their brutal and uncaring officers and and yes he represents workers rising up to fight for their rights against tyrants so i mean he's on the right side he's he's a hero in the formal sense uh -huh. but he never really comes across as anything more than a figurehead or right. a type and and that's the biggest problem with the movie is that is that it, you know and the way it is hurt the most by being propaganda having that as its primary purpose, which is yeah. all of the characters feel like types rather than people. And the movie puts its political message so far ahead of its story that it's difficult to get emotionally involved in that story. And to be fair, that wasn't the point. I mean, Eisenstein wasn't trying to tell the story in that way. He wanted it to be propaganda and also to be sort of a proving ground for his montage technique. Yeah, um, excuse me. And, you know, but it, it, the message is so far out, it's so so far ahead of everything that you, it's difficult to get emotionally involved. And mm -hmm. I'm not totally unsympathetic to the message. I mean, I am not a fan of the Soviet Union, no. uh, especially given how it turned out <laughs> and, no. and what we and what we now know about what life was like under that regime, particularly once Stalin came to power, which was just starting to happen around this time. Um you know, but if there's a, generally speaking, if there is a conflict between workers and bosses, I'm probably going to be on the side of the workers. But Especially when the bosses want to kill the workers. Especially when the bosses are this bad, yeah. When he throws um, a sheet over them and says, shoot them. Shoot them. Shoot them all. That's how we solve labor disputes. Shoot them, hang the rest. Um, but it's so heavy-handed because it's propaganda and, and the deck is stacked so obviously in favor of the workers to guarantee that we're all on their side that oh, it, yeah. it, it, get, it gets in the way of the story. Mm. So, you know, I mean, it, it, is, it is a great movie and, and an important movie and an impressive movie in many, many ways. And it totally deserves its accolades and it deserves its place as one of the great cinematic achievements um mm -hmm. and you know does it grab me emotionally i mean sometimes it does because the editing and the visual storytelling is that good yep overall as a story do i really care what happens i mean not really um and for a movie that wasn't a masterpiece and a landmark in the history of cinema that would be a much bigger problem but fortunately it's not so much of a problem in this case because this is a landmark in the history of cinema and, and yeah. a masterpiece so um despite those limitations that there are that are sort of inherent to just the kind of movie that it is uh absolutely it's a classic and you know highly recommended for me i hated it no, I'm just <laughs> um i agree with what steve said in regards to certain things especially so propaganda is to get a message across it's more important than the story and that's what happens here you want to care about people, then you have to invest the time into getting to know the people that you're going to focus on. Mm -hmm. And that's when the propaganda starts falling into the background. It's also dueled with the fact that under the communist philosophy, you're not supposed to overly focus on an individual. It has to appear that the, that the group 
came to a consensus about what's, one, that they're being treated improperly, and two, as a group, they decided to overthrow their masters. And so when you're doing a movie, you can't really overly focus on a handful of characters. It would have been nice, but unfortunately that is where the propaganda is doing a disservice to storytelling. What makes this movie amazing is that it is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. He brings in lighting techniques, the way he frames his shots, the way he edits those shots together to make a smooth um, visual um, uh, and my mind's gone. You know, basically scenes flow naturally into each other. They're not jarring. They you have several different people that you're focusing on in any given sequence and you're cutting back and forth between those things. You're not just following one group of people around and then you cut and then you follow another group of people around. Because yes. um, one of the things that shows is that you have to have a certain level of belief in the audience's ability to follow what's going on um, based on how you cut it. Previous filmmakers were like, people will get confused if you intercut. They'll get confused if you cut away to something else. They'll, they'll get confused if you have multiple characters. They'll get confused. We need straight, forward, one shot, just this scene, nothing yeah. else. Shoot it like a play. Yeah. Like Birth of a Nation. Yeah. So when you yeah and it's it's been ten years and you compare those two yay that's really different but you compare this film to movies other movies being made in 1925 and they didn't learn jack shit they're still doing the same goddamn thing weird framing devices one shot storytelling no intercutting it's like lock the camera down and shoot it yep because it was easier not everything could be a you know a Griffiths production or a Cecil B DeMille production. You know, a lot of people forget 1925, good old Alfred Hitchcock was making movies and molesting blonde women. So it was like, you know, he was part of that too. Yeah. Um, but I love the movie because it does tell a story. And it's enough for you to get behind. These guys are bad. How bad are they? This bad. They're going to kill no. people because they didn't eat fucking borscht. That's how bad <laughs> really they are. bad, yeah. The captain's solution to grumbling people who are hungry is shoot them. That's how bad they are. And when the guys rise up, you're like, fuck yeah, get them. Get all of them. Throw them all overboard. Eat them. You guys are hungry. <laughs> Make borscht out of those fuckers. <laughs> and then you hate the Cossacks because of what they did to the people in the town. And, you, and they were going to put that forward. Now, thankfully for propaganda, they didn't have to make up a lot of shit. No. Did they, Steve? They didn't. No, like we said, I mean, most of the major events in the movie actually happened. Yeah. Uh huh. The captain actually did. Uh, after people were grumbling about the quality of their food and how they were hungry, did decide, hey, bring out that tarpaulin. We're going to start shooting people, and that did prompt them into, th- you know, attacking the officers. That happened. They actually did take over the battleship Potemkin and send and sailed it to Odessa. There were already riots in Odessa, and this did not help matters much. There are, there were several incursions between the two of them. They didn't have to make shit up, and that's one of the things, is this was history pre-made it propaganda, right? Mm-hmm. There wasn't, you know, we're not going to go back to these historical events and say, oh, well, you see, they had communist infiltration, you know, agents on board the Potemkin that tried to push this. No, they were people that were tired and hungry, and they weren't going to take it no more. 
And so they did a French Revolution on those people's asses. And I mean, that's just it. It's 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 a weird balance. Is it propaganda? Yes. Did they have to make up a bunch of shit and lie to people? Nope. And that's the big difference. Is this movie didn't spend a whole lot of time blowing smoke up people's asses about how great communism was. It's in there. Don't get me wrong. But it's it's subtle. It's more subtle than long live Stalin at the end of it. You know, it, it's nothing like that. It's it's far more subtle. It's based on real stuff, and so it's easier to consume. Are people who aren't cinephiles gonna like it? Probably not. There's long. I mean, it's only an hour and ten minutes long, but it can sometimes drag, especially if you've seen it now eight times, yeah. and you know what's coming and there's not a whole lot of dialogue and when we do get cutaways the it's very simplistic stuff it's a basic description of something or a single word like my favorite part cossacks um (laughs) and it does that a lot so is it a great movie yeah it is if you've never watched it please remember to approach it with knowing that is propaganda but just because it's propaganda doesn't make it a make it a bad movie and thankfully, it's not depicting something awful. Right, Griffiths? Right? <laughs> Where you did lie a lot? <laughs> Can I just say, it, I mean, it is... sack of shit! It's nice, because I haven't watched Birth of a Nation for a very long time, but um, I was, I've been thinking about it recently because I mentioned it in a video I made on my YouTube channel not too long ago, and it is just so nice to, to have a movie of similar stature in the history of film as Birth of a Nation that does not nearly have those same awful moral problems where you can Mm -hmm. actually watch Battleship Potemkin and appreciate it and enjoy it and you don't have to sort of compartmentalize in your mind. Like, you can actually watch it and appreciate it and go, this is a great film, this is an important film, this Mm -hmm. is something that really revolutionized, no pun intended, the the art form, and you don't have to say, you know, but of course it's a horrible work of racism. (laughs) Yeah, you do with Birth of a Nation. (laughs) It's it's also one of the most evil films ever made, but apart from that, Mm -hmm. so yeah, Apart from that, look how great it is. (laughs) Apart from how evil it was and how much real-world damage it contributed to, it's really Mm -hmm. great. Yeah. All right, well, that's good. Hey, Steve. Yeah, man. Do you have a movie that you would like to not recommend? Oh, boy, Now that we both love the Battleship Tankin'? Speaking of movies that caused real-world damage. Okay. um, So the movie I'm going to not recommend, and I cannot not recommend this enough, is a movie that I actually watched several years ago because someone, uh, uh, an acquaintance online had mentioned it as an example of a... uh, of a, of a propaganda film that, you know, was was like morally reprehensible, but was well made and well acted. Right. Okay. So, you know, you, you kind of fall into that sort of middle space of like, uh, it, you know, there are some praiseworthy things in it, but the message is so terrible. Uh-huh. Um, it is a movie that is a piece of Nazi propaganda. There you go. That is the proper response. You can stop now. Uh, you don't have to say the name. It was, it's fine. It, it was. It was made by uh, the only director, the only film director uh, under the Third Reich, who was actually put on trial for crimes against humanity. Uh-huh. Uh, he was. He was acquitted, but they still put him on trial because they said you made a lot of movies for the Nazis, dude. Um, yeah, and they were, uh, they were good, and we don't like you. <laughs> His name. His name was Veit Harlan, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. is the director's name. And the name of the movie is, uh, in German, it's Jud Sus. Uh-huh. And in in English, it would translate to Seuss the Jew. Uh-huh. And it is a quote-unquote historical film <laughs> um, that takes place in the 18th century. And it is about a, a, real, a real historical figure uh, whose life story has been greatly distorted here for propaganda purposes. But he was what, they, what was called a court Jew. He was someone who was sort of like handled the money for noblemen in, in uh-huh. the old days. And um, and it's it's really, you know, it's just the story of this guy and how he sort of infiltrated the, you know, the innocent German court back in the day and right. took advantage of people and enriched himself at the expense of and really basically just serves as a representative of all the fucked up anti-Semitic things that the Nazis were telling people about the Jews that they want right. to, they, they you know, they want to infiltrate our society. And he's, you know, because Seuss in the movie is is a secret Jew. He pretends to be something else. He doesn't let people know outward, outwardly that he's Jewish. And, uh, you know, so there's that. There's the infiltration paranoia. There's the fact that he's taken our money and he's taken advantage of us. And it's just, it's it's horrible. Like, it's, it's, and to my dismay, not only is it just absolutely morally repugnant, it's just kind of okay in terms of the technical aspect and the, the acting. Like, it's not, it's it's by no means a masterpiece or even all that impressive. It's just kind of like, Oh, okay, like there's nothing really to complain about in terms of the technical aspects of it or the acting. Like it seems it's fine. The guy who plays Seuss does a good job. It's not uh-huh. like a, an amazing performance where you're like, oh man, too bad this is propaganda because this guy's good. Like no, it's a, just it's just kind of <laughs> uh, okay. It's okay. Um, so yeah, um, so there- you've stepped over propaganda to hateful disinformation. Well, that's that's, yeah, that's why when you when you had that sharp intake of breath, when I said Nazi propaganda, there is Uh a difference between garden variety propaganda. Like there's like, you know, the little the the commercials that are made in this country by the ad council Uh are technically propaganda because it's the government. Top Gun. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. Top Gun is a lot, lot, a lot of like movies made in this country that that portray the military in a very positive light could be uh, described as propaganda or at least have propagandist elements to them. But there's a difference between that and movies like this, which, you know, are made which are made by a malevolent government to intentionally uh, condition a population to be accepting hate. To foment That's... hate and, and to be accepting of their monstrous plans for uh-huh. this particular segment of the population. So yeah, the not recommendation is probably the the strongest I have ever recommended that people not see a movie because <laughs> there's no reason to see it. It's not like something that you should see in film school because it has certain things about it that make it noteworthy or whatever. It's it's just kind of an okay movie that was made uh, at the behest of Joseph Goebbels in the service of perhaps the most evil state that has ever existed in human history don't watch Yudsus. yay as you guys know i like to not recommend a movie from the same year as the movie that we just watched and it's 1925 and this one's personal for me steve oh boy because it's the wizard of oz <gasps> no not that wizard but of oz. you like the wizard of oz no, this is that other Wizard of Oz oh, the from first 1925, one. where they took the story of the Wizard of Oz and went, no, no, <laughs> no, we're okay. Um, this is the Larry Semon Vanity Project, 
Who's Larry Salmon? Glad you asked. He was a popular actor. Now he's only known as the person that worked with like um, Stan Laurel and Oliver Hardy in early in their careers. Everyone forgot about him. Want to know why? Because he wasn't funny or talented. He just had a funny face. That's it. That's all Poor he guy. had. Huh? Poor funny-faced Larry. Fuck him. Especially for what he did to The Wizard of Oz. So The Wizard of Oz, not very many people realize this, but The Wizard of Oz is a feminist trope. I'm not saying that as some anti-femme. I'm saying that as a measure of truth. All of the truly powerful characters in The Wizard of Oz, including the protagonists, are all women. They took this Wizard of Oz and they went, No. (laughs) (laughs) No, let's just make up shit. And that's exactly what they did. They made up a whole bunch of characters. The whole storyline is gone. It is just an excuse for Larry Semon to be in every scene of the goddamn movie, whether you wanted to see him or not. Is the Scarecrow there? Sure. Is the Tin Man there? Yeah. Does the Tin Man try to kill the Scarecrow? Yeah, he does. Um, (laughs) What is the whole point of Dorothy? To get married at the end. That's the, that's this movie. There is no, other than the names of characters, there's no connective tissue. It has a bookend, you know, because they had to make sure, because the audience wouldn't accept a fantasy world, they had to make sure that it's Dorothy Gale is a little girl that's being read a story by her bizarre grandfather at the beginning <laughs> at the end. You can find completely silent versions of this on YouTube if you are so interested. It's not. It is it is unimaginative, awful garbage that, if you know anything about The Wizard of Oz, will just confuse you by the end. They waited until Baum was dead, and then they did this. Him and his <laughs> stupid, rotten son, who has a they, co-writing credit on the goddamn movie. They stokered him. They stokered him, right. So it's like, no, no, no. It's kind of weird to see other versions of other people's ideas of how these characters were to be interpreted, but it was very obvious that they punched down. There's no, there's no, there's no good witch of the north. There's no wicked witch of the west. Oh wow! Or east, and Dorothy is not the main character of the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> wow! Oh yeah, and the Wizard of Oz isn't even the Wizard of Oz. He's just a side character. For the other made-up characters they made for it, so don't, don't watch it, don't. It's on YouTube. You can. It has no music set to it because the music for the movie has been lost. But hey, yay, we still have copies of it. So, <laughs> so just you know, watch it and listen to a Pink Floyd album. You know, watch it, yeah, or ha- you know, just pretend. Yeah, don't, don't. It won't sync up. It doesn't sync up to anything. <laughs> it doesn't work for this version. It does. Nothing works for this version. <laughs> The only the only thing that works for this version is not watching it. So don't. 1925, The Wizard of Oz. Steve? Yes, my friend. It's time for you to make a terrible choice. I can't wait. And terrible, there, there's terrible. There's oh. terrible in the choices. Oh, there's boy. terrible in the choices, and I swear to fucking God, Steve. Okay, but you know that it's not my fault. <laughs> I know it's not your fault, I you know. You know if I pick the one you don't want me to pick, I have no way of knowing. I know, I know. Okay, just you. Now is the time of the show where I make Steve make a blind choice for the next movie that we're going to review. I pick the movies. I have them here. Steve doesn't know what they are. I make him pick A, B, or C, and the one he picks is the next one that we're going to review. So, Steve, A, mm-hmm. B, or C, please make your choice. I'm going with A. Thank God. <gasps> I actually made the good choice this time. Yeah, because I've only been trying to get a review on it for forever. Awesome. <laughs> Had you chosen B, 
the terrible choice. Oh, boy. We would have watched the failed action-adventure well, I don't know if they wanted it to be a franchise, but boy, oh boy, someone said the word Kevin Costner and money and little dollar signs appeared in the guy's eyes. And they said, okay, I don't care what it is. And they, they said, okay, open your mind wide. Because here's the premise. The whole world is covered with water. <laughs> and he drinks his pee. The movie that you can hear the elevator pitch when, when you find out what it's about. Which is basically, it's Mad Max, but with water. But with water everywhere. We would have we would have reviewed Waterworld, Steve. I don't think I need to tell anybody that. Well, we dodged a bullet there. Mm-hmm. Had you chosen C, I think you probably would have been happy, because I think you love this film. I'm not sure. But had you chosen C, I don't know. I, can, I may be confusing you with another best friend that I have. Okay. We would have watched the late 1980s science fiction classic... Flight of the Navigator. I do really like that movie, yes. I thought so. Absolutely. But you didn't choose C. You choose A. A movie that I've been desperate to review for a very long time, and you just, you just, ooh, you just kept missing. Oh, boy, I got it this time, though. Okay. You kept missing the target. (laughs) The next movie that we're going to review is also extraordinarily influential. Um, it didn't do that great in the box office, but boy, oh boy, did it influence a whole lot of really bad sci-fi. <laughs> oh, a couple boy. of good ones, but a lot of really bad sci-fi. It was the kind of movie that I would show to prospective girlfriends and judge them on whether or not I wanted to continue dating with them based on the reaction to the movie. Oh, wow. It's also a movie that's had about five div- 5,000 different versions. Uh, there's one that I've that I like particularly... The and it's not the the movie that was released in the theaters originally in the early 1980s, um, but that's the one we're going to review because we review theatrical release. The movie that we're going to re- review is the sci-fi film noir classic, Blade Runner. Hell yeah! <laughs> Hell yeah! And so we and we are reviewing the the. The original the theatrical, theatrical okay. release with all of the absolute garbage narration from Harrison Ford that awesome. he that he recorded bad on purpose <laughs> because he didn't want it in the goddamn movie. There's no way they're gonna use this. Oh shit, they used. But they it. stuck it in anyway because <laughs> the theater thought the audience was dumb. And that's it. We're all done. Yay, Steve. Yeah. We, we cleared another classic off our plates. We're getting ready for another one. Ah, boy, feels good. Mm-hmm. Everybody, I forgot. I'm My blind just literally went blank. I looked at the wall, and then everything just wiped out. It went boop. I'm having microstrokes all over the place. Oh. <laughs> we'll make it to the end. We're almost done. And then you can die. Thanks for listening, everybody. For late seating, this is Jason Harding. And go see a movie this week. And this is Steve Shives. It's good meat. End of discussion. It's not good meat. Look, look, all these little, all these little maggots, they're all over meat. I'm not going to eat meat. You crazy no, doctor that's, man. That's protein. It's just protein. Don't use your double speak on me. What, this, what this is protein? This meat has been fortified. It's been fortified with extra protein for you hardworking sailors. Okay, it's just here. That sometimes, I, sometimes I pick the, one off here. Eat your protein. I, no, I, I'm fine. I don't want to. I, I would never want to eat. Meat oh, you made don't. For you, 
You don't want to eat this protein? Uh, just don't hold it so close to me. Let me put it right no. here underneath. No, oh, underneath oh, your no, no, twirly no, 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 mustache, no. you like? <laughs> oh, no. He don't like that protein. <laughs> it's good meat, though. Yuri, come here. Unzip your pants. We have different protein for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this got dark. It's going to get darker, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> the, the Russian Revolution wasn't like this. Guess who's going to be in the bush tomorrow? Oh, no. His name starts with Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that Who was here dark. Didn't like the Doctor Borscht. <laughs> we Step need forward. you to cut out Doctor Borscht part. It make makes all of us in Russia seem like cannibal. <laughs> Look, we only eat human meat because nothing else to eat. That's right. When we're starving, which is all the time. <laughs> Can you please, please just cut it out? We don't want to be reminded. I, I uh, cannot overemphasize how hungry we all were. I have a dinner of Uncle Grandpa tomorrow. <laughs> I don't want to think of that and say, I just saw a movie where, where they ate a doctor and then I have to eat my grandpa. In Russia, I mean, Donald we party. have <laughs> we have plenty to eat. <laughs> In Russia, Donner Party is feel-good story. <laughs> oh, look at them. Enjoy that meal. Oh, they just go for it. Mm-hmm. Lost Get, for life. Gather around, children. I'm going to tell you a happy story about the soccer team that got trapped in the Alps. And they had a little impromptu camping trip on top of mountain. <laughs> <sighs> uh, I haven't checked our. Uh, I haven't checked to see if we have a whole lot of Russian listeners, and we probably do. We probably or, do. We did, though. <laughs> well, we did. <laughs> They're like, I'm not going to listen to a show that insults me. But if there's any left listening, I would like at this time, let me, let me, the Late Seating Podcast would like to apologize for implying that Russians willingly resort to cannibalism due to their horrific, horrific history. Right, Steve? And to all of our Russian listeners, I would just like to add that to all of you, I sincerely apologize. Thank you. All right. Sincerity from Steve. There you got it. Also, your leader is a nightmare. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Let Me Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash lemmelisten. And... Thanks for listening.